0: Our passage for this morning is found in 1 Corinthians 9, starting in verse 19. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew, to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, although I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law, to the weak I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessing. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, family. So, uh, los hermanos de, de habla hispana, hay traducción, por si acaso no tienen el equipo, y así pueden procurarlo en este momento si no lo han hecho. I'm not speaking in tongues, I'm speaking my native language. I mean, we're, we're going a little Pentecostal today. Woo! I guess they were worried because they gave me instructions like, if you roll over these speakers, you might want to go, I said, there's a Latino in the room, this guy is going to jump all over the place. <laughs> I may, so don't freak out. <laughs> well, I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save some. What's Paul talking about? He's talking about something that uh, as as parish pastors we've been praying together and thinking uh, a focus and a call that our church needs here in the city in such a time like this. And we call this evangelism. Evangelism. It's a call to Christians to share their faith and invite others who are not Christians to believe in our faith. It's this call to share the good news That in this kingdom, you can get in the front of the line, and it's not because of your culture, your social status, the color of your skin, your achievements, whether you're in or out in society. You can get in the front of the line because of what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross. Now, even if you're not a Christian, that should sound really good, shouldn't it? As Rashad said a couple of days ago in our retreat, so powerfully he shared with us that this sharing of our faith should be birthed out of our our own experience, that truth burning in our hearts, compelling us to not keep it in, but actually to share it out, because it's so true as we remember, as we rekindle the truth that we have been forgiven, that we have been adopted into the family. That we have been fully accepted by a holy God in spite of the fact that we're sinners because of what Jesus accomplished. That I am totally embraced as a son no matter what I have done. I mean, when Rashad was sharing that, my heart was stirring. I could remember the moment that I discovered that truth and it changed my life. How can we not share this with other people? How can we hold it back? Now we do want to recognize that this is an enormous challenge for us church here in New York City. Because this goes right hits right in the face of New York City spirituality. New York City has a spirituality. New York City has a faith. It's summarized by what in the 90s became kind of popular was called the gestalt prayer. I don't know if you remember it. If you don't, it's a prayer that kind of summarizes the spirituality of today that says like this. It was in posters and stuff, so you might remember. I do my thing. You do your thing. I'm not in this world to live up to your expectations. You're not in this world to live up to mine. You are you. I am I. And if we happen to meet each other, that's beautiful. Which means the line is drawn You keep on your side. I keep on mine. If we're going to have some kind of relationship, don't mess with me and I don't mess with you. But see, evangelism is I start messing with you. (laughs) (laughs) Evangelism is I do invade your space and invite you into a dialogue to reconsider what you believe. To give thought to it. And to hear the story that has changed millions and millions of lives throughout history, changing us and changing societies and changing civilizations, is not a small thing. But it's more challenging because of the Christian message. The Christian message at its core said God says this, God sent his son to save sinners. Right there, that's a problem. God, which God in the smorgasbord of gods, sent his son, well, you're assuming he's a he or a person, sent his son, what for? I mean, we're New Yorkers, man. We can figure things out. (laughs) To save sinners? Come on. Don't insult me. See, this is what I don't like about you Christians. You people insult others. You call people sinners. I mean, call us victims. Disturbed, dysfunctional, sinner, no. Lost sinners, your mama. <laughs> that's in Washington Heights. In Spanish. <laughs> you narrow minded, judgmental bigot, that's if you're in my town. How do we go about in a culture that is at best indifferent? And at worst hostile to this message that we believe is what people need. How do we go about it? Paul, the Apostle Paul here gives us in the scripture that we read, I should have marked the time, I am so sorry. Um, yeah. Oh my gosh. So how do we go about this? Now the Apostle Paul became the most fervent and I think articulate evangelist of human history. He used to hate the church, remember? He had an encounter with the risen Christ, with the living Christ that changed his life. And he became this fervent evangelism all his life. He dedicated his life for that. So, you know, you might be like a Christian hater today. I hope not. But if you're in the room, you might become Paul after this. You never know. I'm praying that you do, by the way. There goes one. Now, if you're, if you're not a believer um, and you're, you're searching, you're here, maybe somebody fooled you, you go to a theater and it's a church or something, <laughs> you might have an image of your head of what Christianity means, and I, I want you just to be open minded and to give this a chance. Because if it's true, if what we believe is true, it's a matter of life and death, not only for now, but for eternity. And it, it makes all the sense in the world of something that is so weighty for your life if it happens to be true. To pay attention. So I invite you to do that. I invite you to do that. And probably you'll discover why your aunt and uncle were so like animate and and, and, and so intense in trying to convince you. Because this is amazing. This is amazing. Now, as amazing and as fired up as we may be about sharing our faith with other people, Paul tells us here that there's a way to go about it, that the gospel itself shapes the way we do it. Okay, shapes the way we do it. And he says here, there's something that has to happen in us first, other than experiencing the gospel. There's something that has to happen in us first, in order for us to engage in respectful and humble ways, in conversations with others who are not of our faith. There's a posture to this. And the context in which Paul wrote the scriptures that we read, it's, it goes from chapter 8 to chapter 10, the whole discussion. And it's all about going out of your way, even renouncing your rights and privileges and comforts, in order to live for the, to live for the well spiritual well-being of other people. And in chapter 8, he says, you know, I go out of my way. I give up my rights. I embrace discomfort for the sake of brothers and sisters in Christ who are still weak in conscience. And he talks about... Whether we eat meat or not, in that context, it had a significant, I'm not going to go into it. Thank God that's not the problem today. Yeah. <laughs> but he says, you know, for the well-being, the spiritual well-being of others, man, if you don't have, you know, you got that steak in front of you and you, that somebody, hey, that was sacrificed. So just don't eat it for him or her. Sacrifice your privileges and your rights and your freedoms for your brother and sister in Christ. But then he goes, this, this really shocked me. In chapter 9, he says, hey, by the way, what I'm asking you to do, I went the extra mile on this. I gave up, said the apostle Paul, I gave up my right to get married. I mean, some people think Paul was not married because he had the gift of whatever you call it, continencia, celibacy. I don't think so. This guy gave up his right, and he's saying it, which means it was like he remembers. (laughs) And he gave us, listen, for us Christian ministers, he gave us his right to make money and to receive a salary of his Christian ministry, which he had totally legitimate, for the sake of the gospel, he says. In other words, you study the situation and you say, what is most convenient for the sake of the gospel, even if it costs me something so precious as having like a hot woman right next to me. (laughs) Even if this thing costs me like living a a, a bivocational, you know, scrapping the surface kind of life because this gospel needs to be shared in ways that people understand and receive it. Now what what we read right now, the passage that we read that I'm going to right now. Paul, in verses 9 to 23, he goes as far as saying that he gives up his rights so that non-believers may experience God's salvation. He gives up his comforts. And he repeats it all the time. And then he ends this whole discussion in chapter 10 saying like this. He says, let no one seek his own good but the good of his neighbor. I try to please everyone. He's a people pleaser even though he's free from people, which is... Different from people pleaser who are codependent. I try to please everyone and everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many that, I, that they may be saved. And he ends up saying, Be imitators of me as I of Christ, just in case you think this is a call for professional Christian ministers. It's a way of life. So there's a posture, there is a commitment that we embrace. Out of this fire that is burning in our hearts, and if the fire is not burning, maybe that's the first thing you got to take to remember and rekindle that. But out of this fire, we should put a little bit of the brakes and say, there's, there's a posture in which I need to engage specifically this culture. And that posture is that I am willing, willingly and joyfully willing to sacrifice my rights, my freedoms, my natural preferences, my tastes, my comforts for the well-being of those who are outside of the kingdom. Which means that this evangelism thing calls us to a total reorientation of our lives. Evangelism is not just an activity that I do when I talk. Evangelism is a a die-hard commitment to love others to the point that I alter my life, my taste, my preferences, my cultural leanings for the sake of Of others that they may know God. Paul goes as far as saying, This is what it means to live for the glory of God. Because we have heard, everything you do, do for the glory of God. I like it that Paul lands it and says, You know what that means in practice? This is what it means. Chapter 10, verse 31 says, Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. And then right there he says, I try to please everyone in everything I do. Not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. I am drinking this fat burner that I started drinking in the beginning of the year, and it's drying me up all the time. (laughs) And then because I drink a lot, I got to go a lot too. It's not because I'm 53. This goes goes as far as this. The Apostle Paul gives us an example. This goes as far as this. This guy was in prison and he asked the church to pray for him. You know what his prayer was? Like there's this chapter 6 of Ephesians that everybody knows by memory if you've been a Christian for a while, it talks about spiritual warfare, especially if you've been charismatic. You like this, you know, it's an important passage. We fight against flesh and blood. We don't fight against flesh and blood, but against demons and principalities and powers. We love that stuff. But he finishes saying this. He, said, he says, pray for me. He says, pray for all the saints. Pray. He says, pray for me. And you would think he'd say what? Get me out of here. No, he says... That words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. He says, I'm here in prison. I'm going to take advantage of this. Everybody in here, including the guy I'm tied up to, that soldier that I hate his guts because he beat me up. Everybody here needs to know the gospel. Thank God I'm in prison. I remember a friend of mine, he was uh, detained. And in Dominican Republic to be detained is like you're a second away from being locked up. Because of a car accident and his car didn't have insurance and it wasn't his car, it was a company car. And he's a good brother in Christ. Everybody loved him full of life. And everybody was running to try to help this guy get out of that predicament because they might lock him up. And I showed up into the, you know, the, the, the detention center. It was in my neighborhood. And I went to pray for him and encourage him. And I had a pocket New Testament. And I pulled out the pocket New Testament. I put it in his hand. And I said, brother, if you go in the can... Praise God. What an opportunity. I can't talk to those guys that are in there. You will be able to. So I'm going to pray, yeah, that you get out. But if you don't, praise God. <laughs> now, I should have probably given a little bit more explanation to encourage him. But... Our gospel experiences compels us to share the gospel. It compels us also to do so. And to share it in ways that is respectful, that loves other people, that we're willing to give our own rights and comforts and freedoms and spiritual well-being. But what does that mean in practice? So, in practical terms, Paul lays it out in this, in this text. And he says, it's an art and it's a commitment. It's an art. It's called, he calls it here the art of becoming or I call it the art of becoming. The commitment to become the other. Okay. Here we go. In verse 19 and verse uh, 22, basically, uh, you know, he's saying something here really, really, I mean, this thing of evangelism is not an easy thing. He says, I am free of all and become and belong to no one, and I made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. Verse 22 it says, I have become all things to all people so that by all means I might be saved. The freedom of becoming. Okay he mentions here three examples maybe four depending on how you interpret the passages each of these cases are uncomfortable for paul see evangelism when it's stirred by the gospel will never lead you to just reach those who you are comfortable with evangelism means i truly believe this and if i have to become the other and learn whatever i have to do and enter that reality to reach them i do it and Paul says, to the Jew I became as a Jew. <laughs> what do you mean you're a Jew, dude? Well, he's saying what he was meaning is, yeah, I'm a Jew, but Jewishness doesn't no longer define my main identity. There's actually stuff from my Jewish culture that I don't like anymore. That used to imprison me because they used to interpret it as the way into God. And I, I'm, my eyes have been opened. That's not the way in. It's very oppressive because it demands Others that they should adopt this to, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a culture that says if you want to be right with God, you got to be like us. Oh. And Paul says, my eyes have been opened. I am not going there anymore. Yet when it came to fellowshipping and reaching the Jews who were non-Christians, Paul said, have, have I to, if I have to shave my head, I'll shave my head. Which he actually did. He shaved his head. Praise God. In other words, there's another one. In other words, the Apostle Paul says, listen, there are rites and rituals, observances that I fight with my Christian brothers. I pull their hair because they demand it of others in order to feel that they are secured in God. I will fight, but in the moment I'm talking, like turn around and talk to a non believer, I'll keep the Sabbath, I'll go to your parties, I'll shave my head. Timothy, you got to go through the knife, brother. We're going to the Jews. If you don't know the story, Timothy is this poor young cat that loves Paul, wants to go preach the gospel. And as he's going, Paul says, we got to go to CDMD. You got to get cut. You got to get circumcised because we're going to the Jews. That's how radical this thing is. To the Greeks, I be, to, the, to those who are not with the law, it says, it says here, to those having no law, he's talking to Gentiles, I became like one not having the law. Now, you got to remember that Paul is a recovering Pharisee. <laughs> that to be with Gentiles and sitting at their table and eating like butt sandwich and that's the name of a pork sandwich in Midtown, by the way. I'm not making this up. Those are the names. Gran Zapata, butt sandwich is like full of pork. And that he's in the table with them. And he's partying in their parties. And he's, and he's hanging out. And he's, he's learning to become what he is naturally not. Because he believes these people need this message. And then he says, to the weak, I become weak. And I like the fact And I'm like a literalist in the Bible. Like when a word is missing, I go like, oh, what does that mean? He doesn't say to the weak I become as weak. He says, that is actually my identity. I am weak. And he says to the weak I become weak. And in Corinth that means the down and outs, the marginalized, those who are not noble, those who don't belong to the aristocracy, those who are not privileged. In chapter 1, verses 26 to 28... The down and outs, the weak are those who the society consider nobodies, the rejected, the marginalized, the immigrant, the refugee, everybody who's left out of the picture, everybody who doesn't have the right color of their skin in a society that privileges color of skin and level of education. And Paul says, because of my new identity in Christ, Those are my people. Those are my people. And I become weak. You thought evangelism is just about talking about God. Before you talk about God, please don't until you become. Until you and I are willing to die to our privileges. To die to ourselves. To become the other. To learn the other. To go down. Instead of expecting people to come to me and come up. (laughs) Trinity Grace Church, we are a church in New York City. Which means there's a lot of people that we got to go down for. There's a lot of people that we got to become to. There's no city, there's no neighborhood in New York City that is homogeneous. That's a fancy word which says everybody looks alike. There's no neighborhood in this city. Everything is mixed here. There are different cultures. There are different people groups. There are those who are now in our society, and it will grow even more. That will become extremely marginalized. Those are the weak, the vulnerable. Those whose education is out of league for them. Those who are not welcome into our society by the powers that are. And to those, we have like when I saw on the map like this executive order, and they showed on the map the countries that are banned. My, my heart went like, "Yeah, give me those, Jesus." I want to find the Iranians, the Syrians, I want to find all those folks here in New York City and say, and tell them, we have a message that puts me on your side. Now, how serious is this? Hold on, guys. Okay, I'm running out of time. How serious is this? This is so serious. And this... Uh, family, this is a message for us. Parish pastors, this is a message for us. This is so serious that Paul says, your liturgy, which, which is an, a fancy word for the way you organize your service. Your liturgy should be such organized in such a way that if there's a non-believer in the room, everything gets reshaped because of that person. See, in the book of Corinth, in Corinth we're reading, they had this kind of like... Uh, Hyper-expressive individualist philosophy of worship. What does that mean? Be yourself, man. Be yourself. You want to speak a word? You speak a word. (laughs) You want to talk in tongues, just go at it, brother. The Spirit of God. You can't contain the Spirit of God. Do what You want to do the flip? You want to do everything you want to do. Just do it. Fall back in the Spirit. Whatever you want to do. It's you. It's genuine. It's the Spirit. It's the gift God has given you. And you know what Paul says? Stop that. (laughs) Like the old good counseling would say, stop it. (laughs) He says, guys, I'd rather speak five words that are understandable than a million, I don't know how many thousand words. He said that are unintelligible. What if a non-believer comes in the room and says, these guys are nuts. I don't understand anything that's going on. And we had such a great time. And Paul says, no, no, you should order your service in ways that the person who visits and is a non-believer, not that they feel comfortable because the gospel makes no one comfortable, uh, but that they, they understand. And because they understand, they may fall on their knees and glorify God and say, God is with these people. This is not an easy task. And Washington Heights, to live this out is like birthing a baby with C-section and no anesthesia. That's what it's been. It's been a painful and a traumatic process because we had the intention, we had the intention and the desire to reach our community, which is 70% Hispanic. Uh, and, and almost all of them see Spanish in the house. We had the desire and the, the, the genuine intention, but we didn't want to become. What we had in the room was they become us. And when we decided, no, we become them, that became Painful. Because that means dying to my preferences, dying to what I like. It means studying the other. It means that I shape. It means that I put in a conga. There's a conga. This guy is from our church, by the way, the Cuban guy. It means that instead of this, we do this. All I want to say, brothers, and I I am. I, this, is, this, is, this is not an easy thing to do. And if we can't, it shows that we're not free. Culture is defining who we are instead of Jesus Christ. Yeah. I'm not saying it's not going to be easy. It's, you, it's, it's, it's not easy to die. And if I'm not going to reach New York, I've got to die to myself. I mean, I cannot go merengue in, in, in Flatbush. I can't. Can't do that. So, so, how? And, and I want to close with this. I'm closing now. <laughs> For a Pentecostal preacher, that means you're halfway through. <laughs> okay. This is probably the most important thing I'm going to say because if I end this message here and say people go at it, I'm just doing like a disservice to everybody here. We need a power that can break us. And not a willpower. It's not a matter of fact, I got to do this now. Oh, I got to do this now. And then a week later you forget about it. It takes uh, more than willpower. It takes what Timothy, I love what Timothy calls, coins things. He says joy power. It it takes something to break into my heart and create such freedom and joy that I'm willing and humbly and wanting to die to myself and my comforts and desires. And I see it as a gain when I do it. What is it? Well, Rashad said uh, two days ago in in the retreat that we had, he said the gospel compels us. He says the gospel stirs our hearts. The memory of what Christ means for us to stir our hearts and move us. Okay, is that a sign? Okay. Um, it, it, says, it says it moves us. But the gospel also not only, not only stirs us, the gospel empowers us. The message itself that we want to others to know is the message that frees my heart and liberates my soul. So that I can actually become the other instead of just seeking my own comfort and desires and wants. And what is the gospel message? He says here it's for the sake of the gospel. And what is the gospel? Is the good news about Jesus. And what is this good news? It's not that Jesus is cool and he's, he's a nice guy and his teachings are awesome and he inspires me and he shows me how to live. And I learn about God and life because of him. No. The gospel is he renounces rights. He descend. we don't descend. When, when, we, when we stand before the, the king of kings, the lord of lords, the maker of heaven and earth through whom all things are sustained, we cannot talk about descending. He descended. He left his throne. He left his place of comfort. He is the only true free one that became a slave of all of us. To the point of dying to the cross and giving up his right to get down from that cross and beat everybody's butt. He didn't do that because of you, because of me, because he loves us. This is the God that says, You are not weak, you are lost, you are terribly lost. There's nothing you can do to get up, so I will come down. I don't expect you to come up because you can't. I come down to the utmost and I lay my life like a mat to pay your penalty, to die for you, to shed the blood that you should have shed. I live the life you should have lived. You can't live it. I live it for you. I died the death you should have died. A million of your deaths can't pay you the, 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 the debt that you have with God. You are weak, you are lost, and I don't stand up here with a really sophisticated message telling you to come up. I come down. I become the message, says Jesus. Jesus. My coming down and being birthed, and coming into the womb of a virgin, an unwedded teenage, marginalized woman, (laughs) to place my to place my life in her hands under her cares—talk about coming down! And he says, when you know who you are and the security and the—why does he do that? To pay our price. So that we can be now fully, fully accepted and come to the front of the line. And I can look at my credits and my pedigree and say, I don't deserve to be here. That's the joy of it. I don't. So how can I not go out and do the same? The same that my master and my Lord did for me. And become who I need to become for others. I want to end by saying this: We do not live neutral lives. TGC Washington. I'm sorry, I'm not in Washington Heights. <laughs> TGC. I don't know. I don't know what brought you to this church, but I want to know. I want to tell you why you should. Why you're here. <laughs> you might have come because you like. It's cool. Everybody, like people like me. <laughs> um, wrong, wrong, wrong reason to come, but that's cool. You can come, but you shouldn't stay for that. I like it because, you know, uh, whatever the reason, but listen, you're here because it's an urgent moment. You're embracing a family that is, is jumping into this call of the moment for New York City. If there's ever a time that we should become all things to all people, it's right now. In a society in which we live. And it's not neutral lives that we live. You're either helping people to become one thing or the other. And you know what we're helping them to become? C.S. Lewis puts it this way in The Weight of Glory. It says, it is a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses. To remember Remember this, that the dullest and most uninteresting person you talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, would be so strongly tempted to worship. Or else, a horror and a corruption such as you now meet, if at all, only in nightmares. All day long, we are in some degree helping each other to be one or the other of these destinations. You know what that means? That means that your doorman, the guy in the deli or in the bodega, your co worker, your your fellow students, the neighbors that live next door, they're headed to one of these destinies. By the way, if you're not a believer here and you're in the room, you, you understand why we want you to hear this? Because these are the two destinies. We are immortal beings. And you are destined either to eternal splendor and everlasting splendor or to become an immortal horror. And each one of us here who profess Jesus Christ, we have the message that can change that destiny for people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have the message that can become help become everybody from the lowest to the highest and a splendor, a, a glorious splendor for all eternity. It's in our hands. And if we keep it, if we keep it, we are contributing to them becoming a horror that you can't even face. I'm thankful to my Lord that this guy who was destined to become a horror for all eternity, because I was already a horror right here now, is destined to a splendor, glorious splendor, because one day, one lady who hardly spoke any Spanish. A gringa. When no other Dominican wanted anything to do with this dude. A gringa. A person I grew up to to suspect and reject and even hate. She was the one. What an irony. She was the one that showed me the love. That cross to the other side. today I am in the kingdom. So I have two invitations today. Two invitations. And one is for the person that is closest to my heart. In this room. You know you're not a Christian. Or you're not sure you are one. Today is the day God brought you to this place so you can cross that line, my friend. And you can say, My hopes and dreams and aspirations, they're all stuck and crammed into this temporal life, meaningless life. And I know I need a Savior. And Jesus died for you, He descended. That's the message we believe, that's the message that's changed us. And if you believe, if you open up your heart, the Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that he was risen from the dead, if you do that today, your destiny will change. You will receive eternal life now and forever. You will be born again. Now, everything I'm saying doesn't make sense to you, but it's beautiful and it's great, and we're going to help you discover the meaning of it throughout your walk. I just want to invite you. To not let go of this opportunity. To not let go of this opportunity. And and dare, because this is not for cowards, to dare to come up and ask somebody up here, I want to pray. I want to open my heart. Or at least say, I'm kind of getting it, but I still don't get it. Please help me get it. Today's your day. If you hear his word today, do not put it off. Today's the day. And I want to ask the family, I want to ask the family, is the fire burning in my heart? If it's not burning in my heart, that's the prayer you need. God, revive and rekindle the fire of the gospel in my heart. And come up and pray. If the fire is in your heart, God, teach me to die to myself, to die to my comforts, to not only reach those who I feel comfortable with, I want to extend myself to the other. I want to learn how to become. I don't know God. And today, I made that my decision. And as parishes, I challenge us all, starting with Washington Heights, that we are die hard committed to becoming the other that we are not yet to reach them for the sake of Christ. So that this body, this body becomes people of all colors, Of all places, of all statutes, of all stories, of all languages. That's what we're called to be. It's a call to greatness. Come, let us pray. Father God, we thank you. We praise you. You came down. You descended. You didn't need us. But you wanted us. And you paid such a high price. And we are part of the fold. And we are your family. And we are your children. And we've been adopted. We've been cleansed. We've been accepted. We've been glorified. Because of what you did for us. Lord, help us now as your church. Empowered by that freedom to voluntarily become slaves. And we respond to this message today, Lord. Saying yes. Saying yes. I'm willing and I'm ready. And Jesus precious, glorious, powerful, eternal. To his name and his glory. Amen.